Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman. I'm very excited to be back behind the microphone again. My apologies on the delay of this podcast, but I had a very busy weekend moving from one house to the other. I really don't have much more to say about that other than I managed to not hurt myself during the move, which I'm very impressed with because it was just me and my wife doing all the heavy lifting around the house. We got these, we got these really neat, they call them like forklift straps and such, and it really makes moving a lot easier. So if you guys are going to be moving anytime soon and you're carrying heavy things, don't rely on your puny little hands and arms to carry that stuff. Get these forearm straps and, and bend with your, and, and lift with your legs. Because you can you can really lift a lot of heavy things with these forearm straps. I'm not paid to promote these forearm straps. It's just one of those things. Just looking out for you guys to make sure you don't kill yourselves the next time you move out of your house. On this particular episode, I'm going to be interviewing a fellow who trains in both Canada and the United States. He's a Q rank. His name is Christian. I'll be playing that interview shortly. I just got a few housekeeping things to get out of the way. Really had fun with this particular interview. This was recorded about three weeks ago, shortly after the comments by Kayla Harrison against USA Judo. We didn't focus on those particular comments, but this fellow, like I said before, he's a Q rank and he brings an interesting perspective to not only Judo, uh, but some of his training and his experiences training in Judo and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. This is a fellow that when I first started my podcast, he wanted in on this particular podcast. He, when I was, I wasn't even asking for interviews. He was like, he was just banging on the door saying, put me on the podcast, man. So I was like, I promised him I would. And, and we made that happen. So I'm going to be playing that interview a little bit later. I had a lot of, like I said before, I had a lot of fun with it. We talked a lot of judo. We talked some WWE wrestling and I, I got, I got some thoughts about wrestling that I want to get off my chest, but I'll do that after the interview so that if you guys make it there, uh, uh, you know, you, you'll hear it. But so I'll be talking about that. I'd like to report a bit of good news. Our club has a new home. And I will. We are training out of, I, I'm not even sure the exact name of the place. I think it's called the Martial Arts Center of Apollo Beach. So our judo club is going to be training out of there, and I'm I'm really happy to be there. It's a it's a nice space. Uh, we have to do something about the mat situation because the, the, what we we're training on yesterday were literally half inch puzzle mats on top of carpet, and and that's just not going to fly for the long term. But I'm being told that that the the club owner has some tatami. That like actual tatami that we're going to be putting down at some point, and he's also got wrestling mats. I'm not sure how we're going to do the flooring, but we need to do something different than what we've been doing, and certainly different than what we had last night. Nobody actually took falls on this on this particular flooring. We we did some rollouts. I think I did about ten rollouts until and, and then I tapped out. Uh, and you know, normally I could do more, but after you know moving thousands of pounds worth of furniture over the course of one day, I, I over the weekend, there's just no way I was going to subject my body to that kind of uh, abuse, a uh, half inch padding on, on con, you know, carpet, which is on concrete. So no way I was going to allow that to happen, but we got a place to train and I'm very excited about that. It's, 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 I, I feel like it's a new beginning for us 
and I was talking to the club sensei and saying that we really need a new name. We need a new face. We need a new social media outreach. We, we just, we need to be new and, and do things differently than what we've been doing before and reach out to other people who have really large judo programs. As a matter of fact, I reached out to Serge uh, during the week. I know he was busy setting up his his uh, you know major point tournament up in Rhode Island, which happened this past weekend. But I'm going to reach out to him again to follow up and, and find out how he runs his own kids class because there's no sense for me to reinvent the wheel here. And I've got uh, I've got a few other people I'd like to reach out to. I know Jonah, if you're listening. I'm probably you're probably going to get an email from me sometime this week to figure out how you guys do your own warm-ups and any and any of the club uh, the guys that actually run judo clubs and stuff uh Bozo78 Hey by the way you guys got to follow my Instagram because the redditor my very first interview on this podcast the redditor known as Bozo78 he sent me a couple of really really nice shirts uh, by way of Australia, but I guess he picked these things up in the at the Kodakan, and I, I'm posing in one on my Instagram account, which is at Levita Judoka. You can follow me there, uh, shoot me a message and say hi, so I know that you're not just some kind of freak. Like I get a bunch of follows from some certain freaks, like you know, hey, you know, like I I love when these women uh, follow me on uh, on Instagram and like, hey, baby, this is this is great. You want to follow me? And then I look at their page and it says, if you want a good time, click on this link. Like, come on, stop it, get out of here, on, get out of here. So yeah, I'm sure a few of you will hear from me uh, because I I want to do something different with my club. Actually, let me take that back. I want to do something different at the club because it's not my club. And I'm sure the 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 lead sensei he he'll be willing to listen at least so I can have the conversation with him. Because I, I I see this as a new beginning for our club, and I want to make a good impression at this particular school that we're training out of because it's a Taekwondo slash, I think, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu club. They've got a lot of kids, and I have no interest in stealing kids from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But if we can, or I mean the in Taekwondo, but if we can get a couple of kids from those classes and maybe cross-train in, in our Judo club, I think that would be great. But we need to present ourselves in a way that's a lot of fun. So if any of you out there have good ideas on how I can run a kids class or, or what works for you if you've, if you've got a lot of kids, you know, I'm talking about, to me, a lot of kids is 10 plus kids in your class that, that are enthusiastic and want to be there doing judo. If you, if you have those kind of experiences, shoot me an email. I know we've talked a lot about how to run adult classes and what's ideal, but Truthfully, I'm not sure what's best for kids, so shoot me an email at uh, judochopsuishow at gmail.com or reach out to me on my Facebook page, which is you search on Judo Chop Suey Podcast. By the way, I am excited. I was excited to find out over, uh, let's see, yesterday, I decided to go on google.com, you know, the big bad machine that, that is Google, and I typed in Judo Podcasts. Guess whose podcast was number one? That's right. The Judo Chop Suey podcast was the very first result on my list. Now, hopefully that's not all cookie driven or whatever, but I decided to see what happens if I type in Judo podcast, what podcast comes up first and it's mine. And I'm very, very excited about that. 
I, I, I never thought I would ever see the day where I was the number one uh, search on Google for anything. I mean, if if I type in Dave Roman, do you know what I get? I get this. I get apparently there's some web comic artist out there. His name is Dave Roman. I think I'm a lot more handsome than this fellow, but he seems to be a lot more successful than me. So and a lot more popular. So there's another Dave Roman out there who's a very good artist and does web comics and such. But he's not judo Dave Roman. There's only one judo Dave Roman, and that's me. I, I think. Anyway, it's about time for my favorite segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. What's up? Listener reaction. This segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast is sponsored by one of my favorite YouTube channels, the Nick and Sai Show. Now, I'm not saying they're one of my favorite YouTube channels because they're sponsoring the segment. It's been one of my favorite channels for many, many years. Nick and Sai Collier have been creating Judo, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, self defense, and stunt type videos for many, many years. And they also compete nationally in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, you guys have seen those John Wick movies, right? I, after all, it's a display of judo combined with guns and killing and all this awesome action stuff. Well, the Collier Brothers are sponsored by 8711 Action Design, which is the company that produced and directed those John Wick movies. Go on and check out the Nick and Sai Show on YouTube. It's www.theyoutube.com forward slash user forward slash Nick and Sai. I'll put the link in the uh, podcast description. Subscribe to them, and you know, while you're at it, subscribe to my YouTube channel too. About uh, a few days ago, maybe about a week ago, the Collier brothers put up this video of Nick competing against this. <laughs> this video went, I, I think it almost went viral on Facebook, at least within martial arts communities anyway. He fights this, this sixth degree in Hapkido or something, and the guy, the, look, the guy was older and it was a really weird match. He beats, he fights him in no gi for one, which is fine. But this always confuses me about some guys in, 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 in martial arts circles. The guy's competing no gi wearing his black belt. Like literally he takes his black belt and ties it around. It's got like these six white stripes on it and such. And I mean, look. If you're proud to be a white belt, I, I'm not white belt. <laughs> if you're proud to be a black belt, great. That's awesome. But him putting his black belt on in a no-gi match is equivalent to like me putting my black belt on walking around work. I, like it's, it's silly. Uh, and I, I don't know why he did it. But anyway, uh, the, uh, Nick fights this guy he's he's older and he's slower and that's fine look you know the guy steps out on the map and and he gets tapped out by a, a you know a, a 17 year old young man there's there's no shame in that you know as you get older you slow down and yeah he was bigger and stronger but you you know you you do slow down you you know, injuries pile up by the time you get to your mid-30s so there's no shame in him competing so nick beats him he puts the puts the video up on on YouTube, and it was it was impressive. But man, I tell you, the comments were very lively to say the least. I mean, the guy pretty much went nuclear on anybody who had anything negative to say about his performance out there. And the the, the dude needs to, to to settle down a bit. I mean, he was a yeah, people were chiming in saying, "Yeah, it was under Naga rules." Well, you, you know, if it, if it was Hapkido, he would have killed you. And it's like, well, it's Naga rules. He so. He just, two people decided to compete in a grappling tournament under the Naga rules and Nick won. 
there's no shame in that. There's no shame in losing at a local event, even though it was dubbed this TKSA World Championships. There's some World Championships that I'm not sure if it was really, you know, when I think of World Championships, I'm thinking like the the IBJJF Worlds or or uh, you know, the IJF World Championships. So it's not that kind of a World Championship, but. It was some kind of a tournament. Nick performed really well. The, the comments are, are are must see. So I would suggest you guys take a look at that video as well. In terms of listener reaction, I got a lot of great feedback from the Serge Buiso interview that I did last week. If you haven't heard it, I would highly suggest you take a listen to it. I think it's it's a very informative interview and it gives a lot of hope for USA Judo in the future. Now, I received a lot of messages on Reddit. I'm not going to go through them all. I received a an email from a fellow. I'll, I'll keep his name anonymous, but he says, uh, thank you for the latest podcast. It was fantastic, although I must say that you made a mistake. You said that you had never had someone with a Q rank on the podcast. What about Judo Joe? Wasn't he an EQ when you had him on? Now, au contraire, mon frere. Was he? He was technically a showdown at the time. He just did not have the promotion ceremony completed just yet. So, yes, he. So, if you were to look at his paperwork and the day that he was, the date that that paperwork was turned in and on his certificate, it shows a date that was prior to the time that Judo Joe uh, co-hosted with me on this podcast. So, I did not make a mistake. Mr. Anonymous emailer, as I just get a text message from somebody. Judo Joe was not an EQ. He was a showdown. But I'll continue with the email anyway. The interview you had with Serge was much appreciated. And I have said I will continue recreational training and give them some give them some time to do what he says he will do. If he is a man of his word, I look forward to becoming USA Judo coach in a few years. Again, great work on the podcast. Now, to give you a little bit of context... This was an email I did not read in a previous podcast because um, I wanted to pose the questions that I asked of Serge about coaching certifications because this fellow wrote me a couple of weeks ago and told me about the frustrations that he he had in trying to become USA Judo certified and or become a certified coach on the USA Judo. And he was he was willing to just say, you know, the hell with it, and I'm not even going to bother doing it. And I told him, and again, this was a private email exchange I did not share on the on previous episodes of the podcast. I told him, hold tight, I'm going to have the coaches director for USA Judo on the podcast to, to interview, and maybe you'll get the answers that you need to hear to feel comfortable about being a, a USA Judo certified coach in the future. Because currently... I believe you have to be at least a showdown to be a certified coach, even at a local, at a, at a state or a local level. And I think that's wrong. And, and Serge agrees with me. And not only that, Serge took it a step further and said that he feels that anybody should be able to open a judo club and teach judo at a basic level. And I've never gone that far with my opinion on opening judo clubs, but I tend to agree with him. Because and if I didn't say it before, I'll say it again. Right now, if I wanted to become a Little League coach, I've never played a game of baseball in my life. I love watching the sport, but I've never actually played nine innings. But I know that I could go to a couple of classes and be able to teach kids 
the basics of baseball, throwing a baseball, a, pro, uh, a baseball swing, you know, uh, fielding ground balls. I know I can teach those basics because I've volunteered in the past without having a lick of experience playing the game. I've volunteered at, at, a, at Little League coaching six and seven-year-olds. And if Little League can figure out how to get parents and, and other adults involved in teaching children, why can't judo? So Serge took it a step further, and I agree with his point of view. And I think it's a refreshing point of view that he had. And I look forward to him making these kind of changes. I say give USA Judo a couple of years for these changes to be fully implemented. And if Surge fails, it's not because of Surge. It's because of the BS red tape politics that people still can't let go of. And I will stand by that. But I believe USA Judo is heading in the right direction. And I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. Now, on to the interview. And I'm going to give my next guest his special intro music going way back into the WCW era. Here's the NWO theme. And here is my next guest. His name is Christian. Christian, welcome to the Judo Chop Sui podcast. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing very very good. I'm very grateful that you made it onto the podcast. You, it's something that <laughs> you actually asked me a long time ago to be a part of the podcast. You were like practically banging down the door. Here I am looking for interviews, and you were you were begging <laughs> to come on the show. So. I really appreciate that. It's it's a real pleasure for me to have you on the uh, on the podcast. So, tell me a little bit. Of, actually, before we get into that, I, I have to know one question that I ask all of my guests: leg grabs and judo. What's your take? I want them back. You want them back? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so how long have? Tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your, you know, what's your judo rank? What other type of martial arts experience you have? You know, if if you feel okay with it, tell 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 us where you're you're from. Uh, you have an you have an interesting story, and I I wanted to get a little bit uh, out of uh, get that out of you. Yeah, so uh, I started judo in January 2013. I think it was 2013 2014. Um. Yes, 2014. It was uh, okay. So I started martial arts in high school. About I don't know, like 11th grade. I was in a. It was a karate school. They had kickboxing, and uh, once a week they had no gi jujitsu because the guy was a uh, blue belt. And so we did that for a while, and then uh, swimming the season came around. I stopped doing uh, martial arts, and by the time I got to university, I hadn't been doing martial arts for a while, and I saw they had uh, jujitsu and the gi. For the first time, so I was like, "Oh, hey, hey I want to do jujitsu." So I did a, a semester of that, four months, and then after that, I realized I was like, "I don't really know how to do take to do and takedowns." Jujitsu is related to judo, so let's go check out the university judo. Sure, and it's been so. I've been doing it for now three, four years, something like that. I'm a uh, I'm a Nikyu. So I'm a blue belt in the Judo Canada system, but I also uh, practice in the U.S. and Canada. I'm from, I'm born and raised in San Diego, but I go to school in Vancouver. Okay, well, so well that, that's, to, uh, that's just, so, so how old how old are you? Just so that we get so the listeners can have an understanding. 22. You're 22 years old. Okay, yeah. okay, great. And I'm, I'm again. I like I said before, I'm really glad to have you on because 
I've had guests that have been very experienced in judo. I myself, I'm, I'm a middle-aged guy. I'm 42. Um, but I've not had anybody on the program to give the perspective of somebody who's younger and, and somebody still coming up through the ranks. So again, appreciate the time that you're taking uh, to, to join me on the podcast. So tell me a little bit, of, so what is your rank in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Do you have a, an official rank yet? Uh, I'm just a, I'm a white belt as of uh, now. I've been, I've practiced at a few different clubs, so they haven't promoted me, but I've done it for three years. Okay, <laughs> okay, gotcha. And I yeah. I understand how that goes. You you probably you probably have very good uh, jujitsu. I wouldn't sh- it wouldn't shock me if you were, you have the skill level of a you know intermediate blue belt. But yeah, I know how that goes sometimes. I mean, I. Yeah. I Personally, I can hang with a lot of experienced blue belts when all things are being equal, but I have no rank in jujitsu either. So, so I got you. So, tell me about. Home, uh, go ahead. My home academy for jujitsu in uh, San Diego. San Diego's where I'm from. Uh, is Clark Gracie Academy. Just oh, okay. So you, you you probably yeah. have a yeah. So you probably have a lot of uh, really really excellent training partners uh, out there. I quite enjoy it. There's a, they're a good bunch of guys. Awesome. Awesome. Now, tell me a little bit about your judo club. You, you told me that you do judo at university. Uh, do you also do judo, uh, judo at home or is it basically, uh, are your experiences just solely up in Canada? No, I do. Uh, I do judo back at home. So uh, when I get home, I'm going, I'm doing my drive here tomorrow. So when I get home, I'll have my uh, American judo club. It's uh the club's called Magoto. It's in Chula Vista, San Diego. Okay. Uh, we they have a adult class twice a week, which is uh, a little less than I'd like to get in personally. Considering uh, at the club I train in in uh, Vancouver, it's not the club I started with. Uh, the university club, the the judo club I go to in Vancouver is Burnaby Judo Club, and we have judo six days a week. Not that I go six days a week. Oh, okay, yeah. But it's yeah. a little dichotomy there between the, I think, the strength of judo that I experience in San Diego compared to the level of judo that we have in uh, Vancouver. And, and you know what? That's a that's a great uh, segue because I wanted to ask you. You're 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 the first Canadian. I, so I'm going to consider you a Canadian judoka, even though you you live in the United States. Tell me what your opinion is of judo in the united states versus judo in canada how what are the similarities and, and what are the differences that you've noticed uh, i'd say it's judo is judo um but i think the organization of judo is is really where the differences kind of come in like uh in my province for bc we have uh judo bc runs all the judo in uh, our our state essentially, whereas right. I think in uh, in my area we're run under a, a USJA uh, sub affiliate, uh, Pacific Judo Southwest Association, and they've been doing a good job. I think they recently formed, but uh, Judo BC seems to be very very organized, and I I know they have a team BC, and I think they they're able to pay their athletes. The, we have the Judo BC coach at our club at Burnaby. So they have opportunities for paid Judo, I'm pretty sure, and more of a team level 
that I've seen compared to in my area. But otherwise, Th- that's real. That's re- yeah, go ahead. Same. Yeah. Okay. Got, gotcha. Are, so are the are yeah. the classes run differently? Uh, and and again, I'm curious because in, when I look at judo in Canada, they they've had a much more successful. Uh, program in my in my opinion when you, you when you took a look take a look at over the past 50 years I, I would say that judo in Canada has, has probably performed better than the United States so do you find that the training is is different maybe they're, they're, are the classes run different from your local judo club in in, in California versus up in British Columbia I'd say uh, the at Burnaby judo club we have two days of elite level. So you have to be a uh, thank you and above. So green belts and above in the judo Canada system to attend. And those are run, they can be run differently to what I'm used to in uh, the U S but they also have twice a week, the adult recreational class. And that's more what I'm used to uh, coming from the U S. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So, it seems to be so, wrong. so the so the adult recreational class, you probably start off with some kind of a warm up and and maybe some uchikomi and rondori. Is, is that typically how it goes? And you know, maybe the lesson of a particular technique. Yeah, war, warm up, um, uchikomi drills, then technique, then uh, drilling the technique, drilling the technique, and then randori. That seems about right. In okay. The, uh, okay. So in the elite class that can vary. Sometimes we'll go straight into technique. Sometimes we'll do, we'll obviously start with a warm up, but, uh, we'll do, I think last time I was there, we did Nawaza transition, uh, drills. So we had what, three minutes of light randori on the feet. And then, uh, player a would do a throw and then it's transition to the ground and randori on the ground for a minute and then back and forth. So the, I'd say there's a lot more diversity in the warm, warm or in the techniques and training methods that I've seen uh, in Judo Canada compared to my club in the U.S. Can Can you give me that? That's interesting to me. Can you Can you give me an example of of what you think is a little bit more diverse? And and there there's the, the, and the reason why I'm asking this is because again, given some of the things that have happened really over the past few days in in terms of uh, you know, news regarding USA Judo. I'm curious to know uh, what your thoughts are on on that in terms of, you know, what is what is different in terms of some of the specifics there. In terms of some of the specifics, uh, I don't know. I think uh, Judo Canada might be a little bit more since we have less people in Canada. It might be a little bit more closer from the top to the bottom compared to. Uh, I feel like we're pretty far from the top in San Diego for judo. It's, I don't really know anyone who's that high up or has that. So I can definitely right, see right, right. where problems can arise um, from USA Judo. And I've only ever heard of um, USA Judo being, uh, I don't know, not the greatest or having some problems. I've never experienced them myself, but certainly through my time, my what three or four years in judo, I've heard that judo uh, USA judo has had the problems, and definitely seeing this from Kayla Harrison, uh, 
I think definitely there's there's a problem that needs to be addressed. So what what do you what do you what do you think of Kayla's uh, comments? Because this this. this this pretty much turned the judo uh, judo world, at least in the United States, uh, you know, up on its head a, a little bit. That's, they were very shocking comments to me. Uh, and I know you said you haven't heard my my latest uh, episode, but I I almost go about as nuclear as you can go on that particular topic. I, I'm going to address it. I'm going to address kind of a, in my next episode. I'm going to you know maybe back off the vitriol a little bit, but uh, I'm curious to know. What were your immediate thoughts on on some of the things that she was saying? Well, let's see here. Um, I don't know. Nothing really uh, put that much of a spark under me, per se. It's just more of the same hearing how USA Judo has failed to, I don't know, support the athletes or they've been misrunning events, certainly, as uh, Kayla said, when she wasn't able to, to coach. So I'm just interested in the future, seeing what's going to happen from this event onwards and how that's going to affect uh, the USJA, the USJF, and certainly how it, what's going to happen down to our level uh, down in San Diego. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see that as well. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a couple of things to maybe get uh, some people on to give their perspective on USA judo from the inside. So I'm working on that kind of stuff, but I, I hope that Kayla's comments serve as a means to, you know, kind of sound the alarm of sorts uh, when it comes to um, the, the issues happening at USA judo or maybe issues in the past that they're trying to correct right now. So what is, um, what is your thoughts about judo's growth in the United States? And what do you think, that could be done differently because because last I heard and I just heard this a couple of days ago we only have about I think ten thousand registered members in in USA Judo I mean that that's pretty paltry compared to a lot of other countries what from your perspective as a as a Q rank I hate to put it that way but it, what would you like to see a little bit different in how judo's leadership and and how that trickles down to the local level what would you like to see different as a student i'd say uh definitely more of a culture shift Uh, i think judo can be run uh i certainly enjoy the traditional aspect of judo but i think that maybe judo in the u.s needs to be adapted culturally i know i've i've been this topic has come up in uh on the discord for the judo discord, which you've That's right. That's already, right. Uh, mentioned. Yeah. Um, yes. We've talked about this a few times and I tend to lean towards <clears throat> not making too many changes. A lot of people on the discord of that I've talked to, um, they're more leaning towards a total culture shift, but I still enjoy judo for what it is being a, a little bit being a Japanese martial art. But I think, um, just judo distancing itself from uh, MMA, from jujitsu. Certainly, a lot of coaches, some of the old old school coaches. I'm sure you've uh, come across them seeing jujitsu, uh, Brazilian jujitsu, as nothing special, or they don't like it. <clears throat> I think some of that has gotten into um, the higher ups of USA Judo. I think that's 
that's a that's a contributing factor towards the the culture that's not uh, readily available for Americans to come into judo as much as I think they could be. Now, okay, so be honest with me. Since you do judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, what do you what do you like doing more? Now, don't, don't keep in mind this is I know this is the judo chop suey podcast, but honestly, what do you at at your age with the experiences you have at two different types of clubs and such? What do you prefer doing more? I'd say uh, slightly judo at this point in time. You, okay. Slightly yeah. judo. I slightly think judo. I consider what, myself, what, uh, why is that? I think, uh, I don't know. I think I enjoy the stand-up aspect uh, a little, just a little bit more than the ground. And I think uh, jiu-jitsu is kind of going into, it's kind of splintering off. And I'm certainly more in the line of jiu-jitsu should be more like judo, in my opinion. Um, certainly valuing takedowns. Um, so I don't know, like, I, I think I enjoyed the, the traditional aspect, like the traditional aspect I've seen in jujitsu. I, I enjoy that per se. And I'm just, I'm happy to be part of this, uh, international sport, this international martial art, to be part of this history, this culture of judo. Like I do, I research, um, try to be up on things in the history of judo and jujitsu, Japanese martial arts. Um, so I, I enjoy it. So I'd say judo, right. definitely. Yeah, very cool. Is there anybody Is there anybody currently or, or maybe in, in the past that you try and maybe emulate your, your judo or Brazilian jujitsu game after, or is this something that you're trying to develop uh, yourself or your own, your own type of style? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's a, uh, Certainly, have influences, but I think sure. I try to make my uh, my judo and my jujitsu work for me, and I try to make a uh, sort of a hybrid type of uh, game. Like I don't do things, I don't do the most sporty things in jujitsu, and I I try and do things in judo that would work in jujitsu. To me, they they function similarly as one uh, one grappling system with different sport uh, rules aspects. So, but for the judo, definitely, I think uh, Travis Stevens at 81, I fight at, at 81. Yeah. He's, he's the guy I look to. And I've been most mostly working on uh, his, his Koga style step in uh, Koshi Garuma and Sionagi as of late. And I found success with that. So he's, he's up on my list for uh, an influence. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. He, I don't know. Probably my instructor, Clark, Clark Gracie. Uh, I really enjoy watching uh, Eduardo Tellas. He has a turtle guard game, which I think I like to try and emulate because I have a lot of mat time experiencing with, with the turtle uh, in judo. So, so that particular is, is that a, is that more of an, an approach where you're attacking from the turtle or you're defending from the turtle? Because I'm not familiar with that at all. Um, he he has a really intricate, uh, wacky system. Uh, if you look at most BJJ practitioners and then look at Eduardo Tellis, he uh, he readily goes into the turtle. And I know a lot of BJJ uh, traditionalists, they say turtle is terrible position. You get your back right. taken, choked out. But uh, Eduardo has really made... 
he has wacky attacks, wacky uh, reversals, just stuff I've I've never seen, uh, even with my experience in judo. So I always make it a point to see what he's doing. So Eduardo Tellis, huh? that's his name. Yeah, he's interesting. He's actually based I'll, I'll have to look that up as well. I have to look I've that up. I, times, I know, I, and I don't know if it's him. I, I don't know if it's him. him or if it's somebody else, but but I know there's somebody that actually put out a book on attacking from the turtle in that position. I don't know if it's if he's the same guy or if it's, he's just somebody yeah. else who's managed to make that position work for him. So fascinating stuff there. So. Well, Christian, do you got any uh, social media or anything that you want to promote uh, on the podcast? Or you just want to, you know, not have a bunch of people following you? That's good, too. So, uh, You can follow us on uh, on dis- on the Discord. So it's uh, the Discord app, the Discord um, channel. Uh, now, I know what Discord is. Can you explain to yeah. the listeners what that may be? So the Discord is just a, it's a chat room. Like, if you... If you grew up in the '90s, you probably know what a chat room is. Um, it's just a chat room. We we're the judo channel is running the overall BJJ channel. So um, I I was in the BJJ channel, and there was enough of us talking about judo in the BJJ channel. Like, can we have a, a sub channel for judo? And it's been going pretty well, I'd say. Just talk about judo. Yeah, techniques, I, like, yeah, I've jo- I've been on that channel a couple times. It's uh. I, I haven't been on there in a while simply because I, I got so many other social media type stuff that it, it, it was it, it was hard for me to to have one more um you know one more ding on my phone my, my phone goes off all days between text messages and and notifications and such and and to have one more was it was getting a little bit much but uh, but I do like to pop in there from time to time and see what the conversation is and, and such so it, it is a it is a good place I know I've given you guys a shout out before on the podcast so consider this another shout out again go check yep. out the uh, hashtag judo or something on on the Discord server there and and uh, yeah there, there's some good people there I, I like I didn't I do enjoy uh, from time to time uh, checking it out. One of the guys on the Discord uh, has a question for you, actually. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> to, I'm a little uh, ner- yeah. Nobody's ever asked me a question, so go, go right so, ahead. What is that? Uh, I, I'll say his username. Uh, Boats and Chokes on the Discord channel. Asks, yeah, I know. Uh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Yes. How much randori do you do? How much randori do I do? I don't do as much randori as I would like simply because I'm an an assistant instructor role. Um, I I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast lately, but I, there's been kind of an issue with, with our club being in limbo in just a couple of weeks, we may not have a home. And, and as a result, that's, that's led to, um, that's led to the, uh, the numbers in our class dwindling down. A lot of times when I do Rondori, I end up having to go to other clubs because really my club is consistent of a lot of uh, kids. Now, when the, when the kids are there, I'll do Rondori with them, and, and I, I, I take a lot of falls for the kids. And there's just not a lot of adults at the club when I do Rondori. I, I, wish, I wish it was more frequent than it was, but... I've talked about going to Ebor City Jiu-Jitsu. I'd say the last time I run Dorid with adults um, was probably like two weeks ago. And that was at my friend's uh, showdown promotion. And, you know, I, I did, I probably did about uh, 20, 30 minutes worth of Rondori. It's, 
I posted one of the videos on Instagram. That's right. I, I did. I yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was probably <laughs> the last time I did Rondori. And, um, if it was, if it was up to me, if I had, if I had, uh, other adults, I, I would do Rondori, you know, every chance I get. I, I do Rondori every once in a while with, uh, with the, with the actual lead sensei of the club, but, it, it, it that's like you know maybe maybe once every three weeks or so but late lately he's been pretty uh he's been pretty banged up he's got a he's got a a serious knee issue and it, there's no way I, i'll i'm not going to ask him to do rondori with that right. issue because he he doesn't have left to right like lateral movement and 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 since it's his right knee and those are that's the leg i tend to attack in rondori i i just i don't want to injure him anymore but um mm. But yeah, I think the the next time I'll be doing some kind of Rondori, I'm going to Jitsu seminar in about uh, about a week and a half or so, and uh, I I in, I intend to do some 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 rolling there. Um, but it you know it's hard because I got a full time career, and you right. know I assist and instruct. It's it's not it's not very easy for me to get out to other clubs and do that. And you know between my career, um, my club Your and the life. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I got four kids and a wife, you know, and a dog and stuff. So, so I would love to do more Rondori, and uh, I, I just it, the opportunities aren't quite there as they used to be when I was coming up through the ranks. Hmm. What about yourself? How much you how much do you try and get out there? Um, I try and get. Let's see here. The school year, I try and get uh, three times a week at least. You do okay. Yeah, depending on the day, the week. Uh, if there's schools not too heavy, I, I've gotten five days a week in, um, a few times this past four months. So I think after my, uh, last tournament, which was, uh, the first tournament I did with the new rules, which I enjoy, they were good. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, I saw your videos that you congrats. You, I thought you performed very well. <laughs> I still have a lot to work on, but, uh, yeah. Also, uh, with, I'm have a, couple tournaments coming up in the u.s so it'll be my first time competing um since i think Nikyu in the u.s is brown belt i'll be competing in the brown and black belt division for the first time oh good 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 that's great yeah. that, that's, that should be fun fantastic. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i i you know it's again like i was saying before as a as an assistant instructor it's it's hard to be a student and an assistant instructor you're either a student or or you just have to take falls most of the time for other people. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. So, all right, Christian. Well, thank you very much for joining the podcast. Couple, uh, Yo, yeah, yeah. You comments. got some more. Yeah, I do have some more. Uh, I want to give right, my yeah, comment right on, on the, a dichotomy between what I've heard Travis Stevens on his AMA. Yeah. I yeah. 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 Talked about that in the past, but, uh, I think the, the price of judo should be, remain open to I don't know lower income people and I don't think I'm not on board with uh, changing the price of judo I know we've talked about it on the discord some of the people yeah. there believe it should be more towards the price of jujitsu but I know for me personally as a student uh, at this point in my life I wouldn't be able to do um, judo during school if it was a hundred and something dollars uh, um, a month or so, and uh, certainly yeah, in the so, summer, so I wouldn't be able to kind do of, both jujitsu and judo. So, what kind of challenges do you have when it comes to 
paying for judo because because uh, unless you unless it's included in part of your university tuition and stuff, I, I would imagine you have to pay uh, for for dues and such. So do you do you have to work a full time or a part time job between your studies and stuff? I mean, how do you, how do you, how are you managed able to fund your own uh, ju- uh, judo dues? I work full time in the summer and I. I try and save money so I can support myself uh, to pay tuition. I'm lucky enough to be a Canadian citizen as well and not pay giant uh, tuition fees like in the U.S. I think uh, tuition for me in Canada is about four thousand uh, dollars a year, four or five thousand dollars a year. Which, if you're and if you're aware of uh, U.S. tuition prices, that's that's nothing. Uh, yeah, that, that's but, uh, that's like jun- yeah. that's like junior college price. That's 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 really so, interesting. So you have dual but, citizenship uh, in Ch- in Canada. Yeah, I'm actually a triple citizen. My my father's from Mexico. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was born wow. In the US, from Canada, so I I get wow, citizenship wow, that's, through that's... my parents. Yeah, and I think you told me. Uh, I think you told me last week you actually drove from. Uh, from British Columbia to to uh, San Diego. Yeah, I've done that drive now. Uh, this is going to be my fourth time going down. I've done it four times up. Now it'll be four times down. Do you, do you drive straight through? No, uh, I did. I picked up my dad in Seattle once, and we drove back down in twenty eight hours. I think the drive takes twenty four hours or so. So, <laughs> and then this past yeah, I- summer. Uh, I drove up by myself for the first time, and that wasn't fun. But yeah, yeah that's that's yeah, tough. I mean, the, the longest drive I ever had was from from Massachusetts to Florida when I moved down here, and that was that was long enough. That you're you're a wild yeah. man, I tell you. No way I can make that drive. I I would I would fly. Good God, boy, that my my back would be toast at my age now if I tried that drive. So do it yeah. while you're young. So. <laughs> So what about, uh, you said you had a couple of other comments or concerns or things you wanted to bring up. Go right ahead. Yeah. Um, I'll give up the the relative pricing for what I pay for judo or what I've experiences, experienced for dues uh, in the U.S. and Canada. So at my home club, uh, I think it's now $60 a month for, um, you can go to the two adult classes a week that we have. That's pretty standard. Um, yeah. Let's see here. That's my home club in the U.S. My home club in uh, Vancouver, the one I go to currently, that is because I'm a student. I pay student prices. I think they make us pay six months up front. And I think it would right. work out to be $30 a month if you had worked it out, which is the lowest I've ever seen judo. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here. The lowest I ever Especially paid for, for judo was six days a month. A week. What was that? Absolutely. Yeah, the lowest I ever paid for judo was was sixty dollars a month. Um, as a student, anyway, I don't I don't pay to assist right, instruct right. right now. So, but as a student, it was that. So, no, that that's really interesting. The price the pricing differences, especially with how much how much more you get uh, up yeah. there and up there in Canada. So interesting. So, well, now, which uh, club is larger in terms of relative size or? Uh, practitioners in, in terms of number of students, yeah. In terms of number of students, oh, the uh, the club Burnaby Judo Club is the biggest club I've I've gone to. I think um, 
we're, we have three big clubs in Vancouver, Burnaby being one of them. And we're, the other two are relatively about our size. But, uh, I think how many adults do we have in per class? I'd say we'd have 20 or so. That's great. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's really great. 15, 15 to 20, depending on the day. Yeah. 15 to 20. And then the recreational class uh, has been really large as of late. Actually, it's been it's been getting close to fifteen. I know uh, I try and make it out to the recreational class to help out those guys, but um, it was pretty small for a while, and then all of a sudden we've gotten quite a few. And uh, because our judo BC coach, he used to coach the uh, women's national team in Canada. Uh, he's attracted a lot of uh, female athletes to come to our club because I guess he spe- specializes working with the women. And that's been really right. awesome to see. Because I'm sure you know there aren't now, so many the two, uh, female uh, practitioners. Of the, of the two cl- yeah, yeah. Now, now, of the two clubs, which club has the better facilities? Like, does one club have a, a sprung floor versus just mats on concrete? Or I'm, I'm just curious to know between the two clubs in, in up in Canada and the United States that you go to, which one has the better facilities? The Burnaby Judo Club uh, here in Vancouver, they have a, we have a sprung floor and we have a relatively large mat size. I'd say right. five people can do randori with, with good space. Um, it's like a square kind of shape. Uh, the size of our U.S. Uh, dojo is definitely smaller. I'd say only two people can do randori standing. And, oh, wow. Uh, but we also have a sprung floor. Oh, okay. So we're well, lucky that, that's in that good. regard. Yeah. yeah Compared yeah, to, most, uh, most I, go, I train uh, sometimes at a different club. Uh, it's like a, a recreational club, but we have to take down the mats every time. We're running a recreation center. So yeah. I definitely feel the difference there. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wish uh, – there isn't a place that I've ever trained that that's had a sprung floor except for one place that was uh, out of a YMCA. But every other place has just been mats on concrete. So quite frankly, I, I almost don't really even know what it's like to train on a sprung floor. It must be really nice because uh, – It is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Th- there's some times where I'm thrown and it feels like I'm in a car accident. Yeah, I can – Definitely on the hardwood floor, concrete. I can feel you there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, at uh, at my age, I'm not too old to uh, to go hard or do rondori. But man, I I I I work hard to not get thrown. I I don't stiff arm or anything, but but I'm I'm really working hard to to try and get the other first uh, person first before they get me because I'm not uh, not keen yeah. on taking the big throws. You know. I've seen your uh, your Instagram video. Uh, it seems like you take falls pretty well. I think that's a that's a part of judo that not a lot of people uh, they kind of treat it as shi every time they do randori. Yeah. So, now the, those videos that you that saw, you. Yeah, right? Those yeah. videos that you saw that's that's of uh, the fellow who co-hosted with me a, f- a few weeks ago. That's uh, my friend Joe, and he. Oh, okay. Joe and I have because he's about he's a little bit older than me he's like maybe 44 Joe and I have an understanding of what we're both trying to achieve in Rondori so you know I'm very willing to take falls for him he's very willing to take falls for me and I don't neither of us do anything stupid 
you, you know, so, and, and, you know, to, to Boats and Choke or Boats and Choke's uh, question about uh, Rondori and such, I wanted, there is one thing I wanted to add is that, you know, at my age, given the fact that I have a family and stuff, I would love to Rondori as much as possible, but I have to be very choosy at my age on who I do Rondori with. You know, 10, 10 years ago, I, when I was a lot younger, um, and I was a lot faster. I, I, it didn't really matter as much because I felt I had enough athleticism to protect myself if somebody did something stupid. But, you know, now I'm a step slower and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just not as quick as I used to be. So these days, you know, if I see some guy that's like, that's like, you know, 250 pounds and he's a stiff armor and, and he's just, he's just, you know, going crazy out there. I got to think, I got to think twice that you, you, you know, either I have to control the Rondori, you know, and, and grip fight him to death and, and make sure he never gets like an over the top grip. Or I just simply don't go because I, I, you know, I like doing, I'm at the end of the day, I'm just a recreational guy and I, I can't afford to let some, some guy take me out. Um, so, right. you know, my Rondori videos. Now what you saw with me and Joe, that is definitely light Rondori. Joe and I tend to go a little bit harder than that, but, but it's definitely not Shiai. And, and that's what, uh, you know, Joe and I aim for because we're deliberately working on things. You know, I think in one of those videos, you saw me, you know, practicing my combo of like, you know, Sumi Gaeshi to Osotogari. You know, I managed to hit that. I was practicing <laughs> some other things. So, so yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, so Joe and I definitely work on different things and we, we take falls because you know, we know what, we know what we're trying to accomplish for sure. My last comment uh, I'd say here is my take on growing up in judo after the 2008 leg grab ban. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think about that? I think uh, I think my judo is probably better. Like uh, from what I've seen from comments from people uh, in judo, I'd say that my my stand up judo, my real real judo, is probably better than what it would have been if leg grabs were still involved, but, um, I'd say if, uh, I really would not know any leg grabs if I hadn't gone out of my way to learn them myself, which, yeah, I hear you there. Like, uh, yeah, if I, if I hadn't gone out of my way to learn them, um, I wouldn't know really how to do even like, what is it? Uh, the ankle pick. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the name. You know, truth be told, I, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure what the, what the Japanese terminology is for, you know, ankle pick or a single leg, but, yeah. uh, but I do know what you're talking about. I, uh, you know, I did come up through the ranks, um, before that ban in 2010. And quite frankly, as I started, once I made it to my second coach, as I started getting really good at judo, um, or, or I should say really, uh, more proficient. I, I really stopped doing leg grabs altogether. The only time I ever touched the legs was when doing either, either I was doing Koji Maki Komi or I was really desperate and, and really wanted to catch somebody, um, you know, just to take them down on a throw. But I always aimed in practice to try and get, uh, you know, not grab the legs. So really when the rules, rule changes happen in terms of my own personal judo, it didn't really affect me hardly much at all. I, I do miss the Kata Garuma. I wasn't very good at it, uh, but 
close to, very close to around 2010, I started getting a little bit more proficient with, with like the, you know, Yoko Kataguruma, you know, Kataguruma yeah. more on the side. I started really getting proficient at that. And then they took away the leg grabs and I was like, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just move on to something else. But, um, you know, I understand why they did it. I, I think, you know, I've said this many times before. I think what they could have done is just eliminate the, the, the Coca and the Yuko scores. And that would have solved the problem. Um, mm. because, because really single legs and, and double legs just didn't score Ippon. And it and it wasn't very common to see Wazari on those throws either. The traditional Wazari, not the the 2017 Wazari, which which I think is yeah. you know I, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but you know, in their in their infinite wisdom, they they decided to go that route mostly because of IOC pressure, and I understand that. Um, and and I, and I think judo is a lot more watchable, um, and it needed to change. And last week. Um, I had a I had an interview with with Sensei Steve Scott who does the freestyle judo and his approach to it is is very good uh, and I like that a lot and it's too bad the uh, you know I think maybe if the IJF took a page out of what uh, Steve Scott is doing uh, we would see leg grabs back in judo. Yeah, <clears throat> I next time there's a a freestyle event I think there was one in Long Beach a couple years ago I think I was still too young too early in my judo to really get anything out of it um maybe i would have but it seemed far for me to go do freestyle judo but now i definitely would if i had that opportunity again i would definitely do it um for me i think i like to compete in anything like uh the weirdest thing i've done i did uh eric paulson's uh catch wrestling tournament i think i was the only person with real judo experience in that tournament so no catch wrestling. Isn't that like sub? Isn't that like is that isn't that like submission wrestling where you can pin? Is that yeah, I? Can you explain to me what that is and and how you did in that tournament? Yeah. So uh, I think what I get, I got bronze. I had okay. They're very very I good. One two, lost two, and one guy didn't show up to fight me, so I got bronze. Um, but there was so there's they have a point system, and you can win by submission and pin. So they had wrestling pins, which was really interesting. Pins aren't new to to us in judo, but uh, you had to have their shoulders pinned to the mat for three seconds for a silent three count, um, which couldn't be done in the guard, like in judo. Um, couldn't be done in the half guard, or right. no, could be done in the. You could be pinned in the half guard, actually, which is a contrast. You could to judo. okay, yeah. So. Uh, you could be pinned in a cradle, which uh, may or may you may or may not get uh, get called for osakomi in judo with a cradle. But uh, yeah, just not having uh, having pins allowed in the half guard really changed things for me. But uh, they they treated it more as folk style wrestling. So if you're familiar with folk style, collegiate style, um, yes, once. Once uh, there was a break in the action, they started you from referee's pr- position. So uh, arms straight out and then you on your knees and the other opponent on top. So right. having to do that was was new first time for me. So that was interesting. And it was a yeah, really good you experience. Know, I think there were, that, it's really good. Yeah, there were there were some real wrestler types. I saw some two guys in singlets and uh, – 
There was one Tenth Planet guy. There was one guy who I think was like pure jujitsu, and then there was a bunch of guys from uh, Eric Paulson, Josh Barnett's uh, what their combat wrestling style. So it was it was really fun. I enjoyed it, and it was open skill division. Interesting. Was it op- yeah. was it was it open weight as well? No, they had weight weight categories. They did have weight categories. Okay. It, that that's that's really interesting. I know I, I I'm sure you've picked it up on my, on my podcast in previous episodes. I'm a big fan of professional wrestling, and I know I know a lot a lot Same of the, the the superstars out there um, started off with catch wrestling, and that's that's a lot of their base. You know, yeah, you know they got the they got the ropes, they bounce off it, and the you know elbow off the top turnbuckle. But a lot of their skill is is you know based on on catch wrestling. So. And the I'm, looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the broken Matt and Jeff Hardy. Uh, yes, yes, to yes. Come back. Look, I could care less about the. You see, look, I, I've been watching wrestling since 1984. You know, like I said, I, since I was like nine years old. And the, the broken Matt gimmick is one of the most fascinating thing it was a breath of fresh air into the wrestling uh industry but i I know i know the wwe is working with tna you know or whatever they're calling themselves impact wrestling to try and get that broken gimmick away they they have to go that route because look i i grew up you know not only did i grow up in the you know watching wrestling in the 80s but i was i was already in my mid-20s during the attitude era i was actually literally in person when when mankind beat the rock for for the championship and and that's oh, when man. WCW started yeah I was there at the 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 Worcester Centrum at the time I was there the place went nuts but but they've got to get away um well they they've broken they've got to use that gimmick uh because wrestling needs it and and I grew up watching the Hardys during the Attitude Era. I don't need to see the Hardys Attitude Era when they're in their 40s. They they need to do something on their own and I love that. I can't get enough of Broken Matt. I can't I I I can't help it. I'm a fan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I it's it's so different. It's so uh it's so great. Uh just he seems to have such a great time with it genuinely, you know? Absolutely. And I just I really enjoy only- seeing that. And not only that, you you have to have everybody. It because it wasn't just about Matt and Jeff. It was it was his wife Rebby. You you had Rebby's father as Senor Benjamin. You have his son yeah. King Maxwell. Like it's it Vanguard. What it has to be? It has to be all because they were all a part of it. it that, that's what made it so special. So yeah, I, I'm I'm huge on. I'm a huge mark for uh, for for Broken Matt Hardy. I mean just. Just the accent and the ridiculousness. I, I don't know. Did you hear his his interview with Chris Jericho on his podcast? He was in character for the entire time. It was oh, just brilliant I stuff. To that episode. Hey, you, you got you got to listen to it. It's worth the hour of your time. I'll subscribe it, it's just to fantastic. that podcast. And uh, yeah, I they're they're a little low on my list. Uh, I only tune in every once in a while for wrestling. But uh, now that you've said that, it's it's gotten that one's on the top now. <laughs> It, it was it was fantastic because yeah. because Hart, Matt Hardy was completely in character, and 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 Chris Jericho was almost kind of in character in the sense that 
he's trying to understand, you know, Broken Matt and, you know, here's Broken Matt saying that, you know, he, he knew his soul from like 300 years ago and so in his ancestor and we're Canadian, which is just, just really, really fascinating stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, WWE needs, needs Broken Matt because, uh, honestly, they don't got a lot of much else going on. I, I can't, I hate, I can't stand Finn Balor. Um, nothing special to him in my opinion, but, uh, but you got to understand, I'm, I'm an old school guy who grew up with different types of wrestlers and and such, and I, I can't, I don't wrestler? understand. Right now, um, or gosh, in general, I, I got, Top I got five. apart from the Hardys, I, I oh, of all time, oh, Macho Man, yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage, and I, I met Macho Ran, Macho Man shortly after he did Spider Man. Turns out, in Florida, we lived in the same town, and I didn't even know it. And I was out at this restaurant called the Village Inn with my family at the time. My two young, my sons were very, very young. And Macho Man comes in, and he was he was pissed off about something. And I was, and I told my wife at the time, "Look, I'm going to go up to Macho Man, and I don't know what's going to happen, but no matter what happens here, it's going to be something I'm never going to forget." And as soon as I went up to him, I was like, you know, Macho Man, sir, I was, I've been a big fan of yours since, since 1985 and all this kind of stuff. And he was totally cool. And he, he was just the coolest guy ever. And my biggest surprise was because you, you've heard the Macho Man promos and everything, right? Yeah. That's how he like talked that. in real life. Oh, really? That's a, that's a, so, so yeah. 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 He, he, that's how he really <laughs> talked in real life. It wasn't, it wasn't a gimmick. He was, you know, the whole, oh yeah, that type of thing. That's, that's how he talked. That's how he talked in real life. It wasn't, he, it wasn't kayfabe. It wasn't, uh, wasn't none of that. That's just, that was his voice. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it was all the years of cocaine. I have no, <laughs> I have no idea, but, uh, but yeah, the, the guy was, was awesome. And, and, uh, he's, he's been the only one I've met. Oh, I did, I did meet Edge and Christian. Um, backstage at, a, at at the same event where Mankind won the the WWE or They're my favorite Edge and Christian, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about what about WWE did more with Christian? Yeah, they, they he's got a show on the WWE Network. That's um, I, I've I'm not watched it, but uh, oh, do you really? Podcast. I haven't I haven't listened it's to great. it. It's great. I enjoy it. I think they yeah, got Stone Cold, um, Steve McMahon. Um, yeah, they, they do. Mac. Yeah. They got Goldberg. Yeah, the only, the Goldberg, do they have a Goldberg? really insightful to hear, uh, Goldberg's take on what's go- gone on. Yeah. Like, yeah I, I'm, I'm curious personal. about that. I know he was complaining about going back into wrestling and I'm like, well, well, dude, don't you, you can retire. <laughs> you, you know, it's yeah. like, I, but, uh, I, and I don't know if you, you heard, I don't know how many podcasts you've listened to. I was at WrestleMania this year in, in Orlando. It was, uh, an incredible live event. I hear it didn't come across on TV very well, but, uh, but as far I'm as, sure I don't, to go as to WrestleMania. what's that to go to WrestleMania is, uh, it's just something else. I'm sure it, it it, it was. It was. I, I've been to WCW when back when WCW was around. I've been to WCW pay per view events. I've been to, you know, a couple of Raws, a couple of Nitros, but nothing came come came close to WrestleMania. Uh, as far as a live production and, and the effort involved, it was just it was just over the top entertainment. It was long as hell though. I mean, God, uh, yeah, seven, seven hours, hours sitting in a chair. Yeah. 
Oh, oh my God. I mean, three or four hours, I expect that out of a pay-per-view, but seven. I, I didn't leave the, I didn't leave the stadium till about 1230 at night because, because the, the Undertaker took about 15 minutes to retire right in the middle of the ring. I mean, just, yeah. uh, <laughs> way, way too long. So, but you got a fan so, for yeah, and, your, and uh, today's WWE also, content here. And, uh, I think I, only your last episode I haven't listened to. I've listened to them all, um, as, yeah, they, you've been, you've been listening aired, right from the beginning, know. huh? Yeah. It's, uh, as a student, like uh, my commute is what an hour and a half to get to school. Oh wow! Oh, so so you don't go to you don't live on campus at your at your university? No, I live in uh, I live in a basement with uh, two other guys in our landlord's house. So, because if you're not aware, I think we have uh, San Francisco is number one uh, most expensive city in the West Coast, and then Vancouver is number two. I had no idea. I knew well. I knew that world, about I San think. Francisco, number two in the world. Yeah, I knew that about San yeah. Francisco because years ago, before I moved to Florida, I was strongly considering um, going out to San Francisco because my career is in IT, and you know you have Silicon Valley yeah, out there. But, a- uh, but you know, even if I was making you know fifty dollars an hour out there, I, I would probably only be able to afford a one bedroom apartment, and that's just not what I wanted. Well, Christian, look, I actually, uh, I gotta, I gotta get back to my, my job. I, I work from home sometimes, so I gotta get back to work. Yeah. So, uh, so, but it was very good having this conversation here. Yeah, I appreciate you, you coming on, on the podcast. Absolutely. And, and, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to reconnect sometime soon in the future. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good Bye. rest of your day. You too. Take care. Bye bye. And there you have it. There's my interview with Christian. I'm very grateful that he came onto the podcast to discuss judo, to discuss wrestling. I really enjoyed my time there, and I found a lot of his points of view very interesting. Training from or, or training in in both countries, in the United States and Canada. Just just curious to hear his perspective on a, as a Q rank again. You know what he feels USA Judo is doing and what his experiences are. And I really enjoyed the conversation on wrestling. And I, I got to tell you guys, I don't know how many of you out there are wrestling fans, but the product lately has just not been very good. It hasn't been very good for a number of years. And yeah, I went to WrestleMania and that was an amazing experience, but I'm left with a sense of disappointment overall when it comes to the WWE now, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash from some of you younger guys out there who happen to love the WWE as it is today. But look, I, I started watching wrestling in, in, in the early to mid-80s. And I've watched the rise and fall and rise and, and stagnation of, of the WWF and WWE. And there was a time of professional wrestling that it was awesome. It was can't-miss TV. It was must watch TV. You you just especially that period between 90, 95 and two thousand when when WCW Nitro was on the air and it was live. It was such a such an exciting show. And then you had the NWO come on and and Hulk Hogan's heel turn, which was one of the most interesting angles in the history of wrestling. And then a few years later, you had the Vince McMahon Stone Cold Steve Austin feud. Between the employee and and the and the you know the the CEO of the company and that time in wrestling was incredible and I find it unbelievable that 
the WWE can't figure out a way to make wrestling interesting again. And 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 I don't know what it is, but maybe wrestling has just passed me by and, and I'm just reminiscing about the good old days because today's product, by and large, sucks. Name, uh, anybody who doesn't follow wrestling, can you name me a guy other than John Cena who's really popular? I mean, wrestling used to be full of ho- household names. Like, you knew who the Macho Man was. You knew who Hulk Hogan was. You knew who Ric Flair was. You you knew who The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin were. You don't have those guys in wrestling today. And I, I just don't understand. I'm, I'm going to blame it on some of these, the you know, the Dave Meltzer types out there who have shaped the opinion of the, the kids who are like eight years old and stuff watching wrestling back in the heyday, back when it was really good. Those people have now become adults. And they fed into this narrative by Dave Meltzer and company that what they do over in Japan is so much superior than what they've done in the United States. And they, they, they listened to this narrative that, that the Attitude Era was actually really terrible and that WCW wasn't all that good. And it, it just, they fed into this narrative and, and for whatever reason, the, the WWE caters to these type of people and they're leaving the, casual fans out out they're leaving them behind now look i'm not some some you know wrestling expert here because i'm just a guy that used to love watching wrestling but i know there's a lot of us out there and and we feel that we've been alienated by by you know this style of wrestling that has just permeated the wwe it's yeah, they do a lot of flips and they they wrestle outside of the ring and it and it looks awesome in some cases. But these guys of what they do in the middle of the ring doesn't even look like wrestling anymore. It's it's just it's just something else. It's it's like it's like synchronized swimming in the ring. They're just doing things that just just don't make sense. And then on top of that, nobody sells. They, back then, twenty years ago, nobody believed the fights were real. But it was really exciting to watch anyway because because the the lead up and the build up to the actual matches was what sold the matches. And, and these days, these guys just go out there and, and they talk about the match and, and they do this coordinated stuff. They do these backflips off the turnbuckle. They do a lot of things in the ring that just don't make sense in terms of an actual fight. And I, I don't know. If I, if I want to watch something that looks like an actual fight... I'll just I'll just turn on the mixed martial arts. I, I'll, the UFC is on every single day. I could watch old UFC. There's there's over 200 UFC pay per views out there that I could rewatch if I want to see real fighting. But if I want to see great interviews, great storylines, you know, and and great finishes to matches, I, I that's what I used to watch wrestling for. It used to be it used to be fun and exciting, and and I could just tune away for for a couple of hours you know on a monday night and, and and be entertained but these days it's just just something different and and i'm sure that opinion you know people are like saying oh well man you don't get it well yeah okay i i don't get it anymore wrestling has passed me by and i think it's a shame i've got a i got a buddy of mine that lets me use his his wwe network uh password every once in a while whenever i turn on the network i don't watch that stupid crap like Camp WWE. 
I watched the old Jim Crockett promotions. I watched the old WCW uh, pay-per-views and the old Nitros and the old Raws. You know, I want to see the Four Horsemen. I want to see the NWO. I, I want to see when, when guys screamed and yelled at each other before matches instead of talk. Go, go listen to a Ric Flair promo and then go listen to a Sami Zayn promo or a Kevin Owens promo. And look at the difference. I mean, these guys are just uninteresting these days. And And back then, the wrestlers looked like they were just over the top huge and, and they were just larger than life. And, and and these days, you know, you got guys like Finn Balor that are just a little bit bigger than me. And, and who cares? I, the, the guy's finisher is really stupid. He just jumps off the top rope and stomps on your stomach. That's a really stupid finisher, in, in my opinion. So I don't know. Wrestling has lost its way. If you look at the ratings of the WWE over the, over the past 10 to 15 years, it looks like a very, very bad investment. The, the line is just, it's just trending downward and has been trending downward for, for many, many years. And, and now the ratings are just, it, they're just terrible. I, I mean, years ago, Sting used to be able to walk out in the middle of the ring in his black and white makeup. And just stand in the ring for two minutes with a baseball bat doing nothing. And that would draw a higher rating than anything what WWE is doing these days. It, it, just, it used to be incredible. Sting would just show up out of nowhere. Or he'd walk up in the rafters of the arena. The crowd would go bananas. And he didn't actually do anything. Just stood there. But anyway, look. That, that's my wrestling rant. I've been meaning to get that off my chest for a while. If you guys don't follow wrestling, I'm sure you guys have turned off this podcast by now. And I'm sorry about that. But that's one of these things I've been getting, I've been wanting to get off my chest for a long time. And I've managed to do it. Christian brought it out of me. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he probably feels very different about the wrestling product uh, today versus how I feel about it. And, it's just it's just a sad state of affairs, and the television ratings prove it. It's not it's not popular. Oh, the only, the only people who find it interesting are the hardcore fans, and WWE. No matter what they do, they're never going to lose those hardcore fans. And until you, you know, it's good, there's going to be a day that that the USA Network is going to say, you know what, guys, you you guys aren't just bringing in the numbers. You know, say la vie, thanks for everything, but goodbye. So that's going to happen one day. And then all you're going to have is the network, which, you, you know, it's the network is just it's interesting. But to me, it's only interesting if you want to watch old wrestling matches and, and great promos and, and interesting storylines. So anyway, with that, next week, I'm going to cover the Ekaterinburg Grand Slam. I did watch some of that over the weekend in, in between when I was, uh, you know, taking breaks from moving. I, I would turn it on and, and watch some of the some of the fights there were some very very good fights this weekend uh no teddy renair no heavyweights from japan but there were some really really impressive wins i'm gonna break down that tournament and and um take a look at some of the statistics since this was the first major grand slam in, in quite some time where japan and france were involved and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'll stand by it. When France and Japan are in the major IJF tournaments, the tournaments are just more interesting to watch. So, with that, I appreciate you checking out the podcast. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Train hard, stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style.
Randy Savage, Sarasota, Florida. Come on in. You're going to be defending against the dragon, Ricky Steamboat. What's the cup for? WrestleMania 3, Pontiac, Michigan. Yeah, 90,000 plus people watching right there. And this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah, cup of coffee in the big time because you'll never get closer than now. I am the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion and I will remain the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion. And Jersey Animal Steel on the outside will be no factor, yeah. You say no factor. Obviously, he is a factor or you wouldn't even brought it up. Oh, wow. Mr. Sarcasm, yeah. I don't care if you got 23 wrestlers around the outside and it doesn't even matter, no. Because I am ready and I will not let this opportunity slip through my fingers. Cup of coffee, man, yeah. Man! Wow, man, freak out! <laughs> 